Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here. It's good to see those of you who are joining us for the first time as well. Welcome to our church. It's an interesting time of year because, uh, generally speaking, Christianity these days, it's kind of... I don't know how socially acceptable it is to say, hey, I'm a Christian, but this is one of those seasons where it is perfectly acceptable to be overtly Christian because Christmas has very Christian themes attached to it. And so it's kind of, I see it as kind of like the world's Sabbath, if you will, because everybody kind of says, oh yeah, you know, this is Christmas. And so you've got thousands of people that will pile into Sydney Mile Music Bowl and sing Christmas hymns together. And it's kind of an incredible season to kind of experience and enjoy. And so I hope that during this season, that as you um, practice your faith, that it can be a very restful, um, joyful experience. Today, uh, the message for this morning is entitled, The Imperfect Gift. And I'm just going to see if this... Okay, great. The Imperfect Gift. For those of you who have your seminar Bibles, I'm just going to invite you to grab them. We'll be using them a bit today. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 8 to 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And actually, I've got a slide here, but I kind of thought I'd prompt you to turn there as we kind of go through the story. I want to ask you, have you ever received an imperfect gift? Have you ever received a gift that you didn't appreciate? My dad one time asked me, what do you want for Christmas? And I thought, this is going to be great. So one time when my dad asks me, what do you want? And I just dream big, you know? And so I thought, dad, I really want a stereo because I was kind of getting into music at that time. So I said, I want a stereo or just give me one of those cool Walkmans. And back then it was those CD players. And if it was like anti-skip, it was like the coolest thing ever. It's kind of like, oh, it'll, it'll, it won't skip for 10 seconds. Whoa, man, that's amazing technology. I really wanted one of those. And so my dad thinks about it. And his response was, how about a nice desk? I'm like, I said stereo, you heard desk. Why would you ask me what I wanted to begin with? And I think he just asked me, what do you want for Christmas? Thinking I might just say, I really want a new desk so I can study harder. Oh man, that's what I really want. The guy wanted to give me a gift that served his own purposes. What an imperfect gift. Christmas is a time to remember the greatest gift. Jesus, born as a baby to serve humanity. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20, if you're there, there's a story of the angels coming to the shepherds who are taking care of their sheep at night, and the glory of God kind of shines forth, and all these angels come forth, and they say, Jesus the Son of God is born in the town of Bethlehem. And I'd like to read verses 11 and 12 with you. Luke chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And here's what the story says. It says, The Savior 
Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. I think somebody armed the door. James, do you have that white key card? Can you just swipe the other side three times? That's really interesting. So there's an alarm system in here that has motion detectors. I think we must have been laughing a little too hard or something. And they're kind of like, someone's broken into the building. We'll see if James can disarm it. Or I'm just going to preach through. We're going to have like sirens going through. Just think of jingle bells. Yeah. Oh, well, that's okay too. Oh, yeah. We'll just keep preaching until the police come. And then they'll see a room full of well-dressed people. And they'll just think, oh, they're fine. <laughs> okay. Let's start in verse 10, actually. So the angel reassured the shepherds, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior... Yes, the Messiah. When James comes in, we all have to cheer. Like, hooray! James fixes everything in this service. If James is not here, actually, James has done a good job of showing other people how to do this. But there was about a year and a half period where if James was like, I'm sick, it was game over. <laughs> like, ah, let's just shut down shop. There's no point in running church. All right. So, yay! <laughs> Here we go. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, will, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Think about this for a moment. Jesus, the divine, the majestic, powerful God, comes to earth and his sign, the thing that proves his identity is that he would become a helpless baby clothed in cloth, sleeping in a feeding trough. What an unexpected entrance into the world. So you've got angels going through spreading the message, Jesus is born. You've got wise men from the east that travel in and they cause a stir. And they kind of raise this question that, hey, the king of Israel is supposed to be born here. Where is he? And we're almost building up this crescendo of events. And finally, Jesus is born in a stable with some stinky animals as a human. Jesus' entrance to earth seems to intentionally be anticlimactic. And yet, this is how God wants humanity to know it's really him, the sign that Jesus is God, the Messiah, the Lord. A perfect God wrapped in a vulnerable body seems like such an imperfect gift. What was this child going to do? How would something so dependent do anything significant? You know, the world really struggled with Jesus' humanity. 
the influential people of Jesus' time didn't understand God's method or his provision for their own salvation. So when Jesus grows up and becomes a man, everyone doubts him. In Mark chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, The next Sabbath, he, Jesus, began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. The perceptual imperfection of God that makes it difficult to believe is the very thing that God chooses as verification he is divine. It's like God trolling humanity. <laughs> Let me give you this thing that will cause you to doubt. And that's my sign, I'm really God. See, there are moments where God acts in seemingly imperfect ways. And the challenge is that God can do anything and inevitably, there will be a time in our lives when we expect God to do something to change the difficulty in our lives, and he just won't. Or our life will be going great, and something will happen, and it'll cause us to wonder, God, why did you let that happen? You're supposed to be able to protect me. What do we do when a perfect God acts imperfectly? What do we do when God seems weak and vulnerable? In the Christmas story, God associates himself with weakness. Jesus makes himself a helpless baby and says, there's your sign that I'm God. See, to a foe, vulnerability is seen as weakness. But to a friend, vulnerability, it's an invitation. It's the thing that causes wonder and curiosity. It leads to understanding and intimacy. And depending on how you see God, the areas that give reason for doubt can be building blocks for faith. When I first met Jinha, I was very intimidated by her. She graduated from an Ivy League school. She carries herself well. She's confident. She's smart. She's beautiful. The list goes on and on. And the more I got to know her, the more perfect she became. One day... She had a breakdown and something happened at church and um, I can't remember what it was, but she had a breakdown and she went home early for the first time in years as a pastor. Church service finished and she just, poof, she was out of there. In our church, there was a potluck, so I gathered some food together and I just kind of thought, oh, I hope she's okay. I'm just going to go over and see how she's doing. So I go to her apartment, knock on the door. And she's in her place and she's just got tears in her eyes and she kind of pours her heart out and she just kind of explains, it's been such a difficult week. And being a good pastor, you know, I listened, I gave words of encouragement. <laughs> Jin Ha, for the first time in years, made herself vulnerable. And I began to wonder, uh, I remember being in wonder, this girl has breakdowns? She cries? She's human? She's not a machine? <laughs> that interaction drew us together. And the reality is, she didn't need me. 
But that moment of her being vulnerable was an invitation where her perfection dropped. It allowed me to step into her space and get to know her in a different way. I felt needed. I felt like I ministered to her. I felt useful and it was kind of this bonding moment for the two of us. So when Jesus came as a baby, he makes himself dependent. He doesn't need Mary and Joseph. He has all the angels of the universe and they can build him a nice castle. He doesn't have to worry about hunger or danger or death. And he doesn't have to interact with the plebs of Israel. And yet he lives among people. He makes himself vulnerable. He looks like he's weak. He looks human, just like you and me. But here's the thing, without Jesus' vulnerability, there is no interaction. There's no invitation. You cannot have a deep relationship with somebody. You cannot have an intimate relationship with someone who doesn't make themselves vulnerable. See, without God's imperfect gift, without him becoming human, there is no salvation. So there are moments where God does not meet our expectations. Those circumstances in our lives seem like terrible gifts, and there will be understandable reasons to even walk away from God and the church. But today I want to share with you that those disappointing moments where God seems weak are valuable invitations for us to be drawn to the heart of God. You may not gain the gift you desired, but you will develop a relationship with the divine. In the Christmas story, it's as if God wants us to learn how to value the imperfect. See, it's by developing patience for imperfection that we step into God's shoes. A couple more verses to finish today. Romans 3 verses 24 and 25, and there are a lot of theological words here, but I just want you to put your reading brains on. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. And a summary of all those complicated words is that Jesus died for you and me. <laughs> but I want to focus on this. God demonstrates his righteousness. He demonstrates his perfection. He demonstrates how awesome he is. And for me, my question is, how perfect is God really? And here's this somewhat hidden definition of God's righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. What makes God perfect is that he deals with your and my imperfection. Does that make sense? A lot of times when we think of perfection, we think about doing the right thing. But in the Bible, God's perfection is knowing how to deal with people who do the wrong thing. It's not about what you do. It's about how you interact with people that don't do the right thing. And here the Bible says God is righteous. There are a couple more verses that I want to share with you that kind of highlight this. If you go to Matthew chapter 5 verses 48. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, this is called the Sermon on the Mount of the Beatitudes, one of the greatest sermons ever preached by Jesus. Page 775, for those of you who have the white Bible, 775. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, here's what it says, and here's kind of an, one, an ending to a portion of Jesus' sermon, and he ends it with this sentence. He says, 
but you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect what a low calling oh, pff, easy jesus is like look if i could summarize my sermon i would just say be perfect oh easy i'll just go home and do that right now i remember reading this and feeling fear how am i going to be perfect? well i'm going to try and you would definitely know that i miserably failed and felt guilt for some time if you look at verse 43 the context of jesus jesus's commission for us to be perfect is found in the fact that jesus says listen i want you to love your enemies and for those of you who are looking at the white bibles as a little heading teaching about love for enemies and the end of that teaching is jesus saying be perfect just as god is perfect go to luke chapter 6 and this is the exact same sermon someone else's someone else's take on jesus's sermon luke chapter 6 verse 36 and if you look at verse this is page 828 if you look at the very top of that page verse 28 it says bless those who curse you pray for those who hurt you this is the very same context love your enemies but if you look at verse 36 notice how luke interprets or how luke puts down this commission of jesus he says you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate see matthew says be perfect luke says be merciful but here's the thing they're both the same thing because in the bible when it comes to perfection god is more concerned about how you treat imperfect people as opposed to you being perfect in the christmas story god is trying to get us to value the imperfect because maybe we could learn to be patient with ourselves when we are not perfect maybe we can learn how to be patient with the imperfections of others this christmas if there are moments where you're disappointed with god with yourself and with others i invite you to draw close to the heart of god respond to god's vulnerability and find intimacy and peace and you'll find one of the greatest gifts given to humanity in the life of jesus christ may god bless you as you think about his word So at this time, what we wanted to do was give you a chance to share. Um, we thought it was going to be a small, intimate group, but um, it's a lot more than we expected, but that's okay. Um, it's, we're all friends here. And so we wanted to give you a chance to share and reflect a little bit. Um, if you can go to the next slide, James. There's some questions for you to ponder. And if, everyone, if anyone is brave enough to come up and just share for a minute, um, one of these uh, questions that you'd like to answer um, in, a, in a moment of being vulnerable to each other, in a moment of growing closer as a church community, and in a moment of being able to share what was hard and good about the year that may bless each other. So, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass around the lapel mic. I'll come to you so you don't have to walk up here, and you can just share where you are, unless you do want to stand up and come to the front. But my, my experience with this church is that um, people like sitting in their chairs. <laughs>
raise your hand, I'll come by. So, yeah, so if you just raise your hand, and then Roy will come around with the mic, and you can just share from, you don't have to even stand, you can just sit and share. It can be like a sentence. Um, but yeah, what prayer request was answered in 2017? What's the nicest thing someone did for you this year? What is your favorite thing about the person on your left? Or oh, there's another question about the person on your right later. Have, how have you seen God at work? This year, what was the best decision you made? What is your favorite thing about the person on your right? What have you learned about God in 2017? What important relationship improved the most this year? And what is one year's resolution you plan or not plan to make, I suppose? Um, or you can you know, share something that's on your heart. Maybe God has inspired you to share something. Um, but yeah, just, just a short little um, sharing time to practice being vulnerable and being weak in order to um, grow closer. Anyone brave enough? Just raise your hand. Oh, oh, he's coming up. He's coming. Oh, I may not have to go around and chase people with my lapel mic. I'll fill in some time while you think about what you want to share. <laughs> Hello? Sorry? Hello. Um, yeah, the beginning of this year is interesting here because it was, I was working on the corner of Elizabeth and Burke Street. And that day, I decided to not go to work. Um, it was one of those days I don't go to the office, I work from home. And that's the day that the Burke Street um, event occurred where uh, someone mowed down a lot of pedestrians on Burke Street and Swanson Street. And my sister-in-law was actually, we, we walk those streets you know, every day almost for working. Um, Burke Street, Swanson Street, Elizabeth Street, Collins Street, they're the streets that you know, we are on right now. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tragedy. Uh, I could see from my office window from, uh, we were on the 40, 42nd floor. I can see the um, GPO office. I can see the flowers every day growing. Um, tragedy. And then just this week again, happens again, you know. So I think God uh, plays a, important part in our lives, whether it's our time to go or not. It's, it's a time to think about where you stand with God and, um, and also think about those that, you know, are injured or suffering or um, have lo lost loved ones. Um, they might be visiting. A lot of visitors to Melbourne actually have uh, been injured. They're, they're not necessarily people that live and work in the city but they've come in for Christmas or for the New Year's. Uh, in January it was New Year's, around just past New Year's. So, yeah, I think we have to think about, you know, things can happen at any moment, or any intersection, any time, and where do you stand with God? Do you want to stay? You're coming up? Okay. I think I need to share this with you. Um, a couple of days ago, because I ride around on my motorbike, and um, I was at an intersection with a green light, and I went through the intersection, and I nearly got cleaned up by a car that went straight through a red light. So whether you believe that we have protecting angels or not, they're there. You only realise when your angel is there when you know that you could have been uh, killed. I probably wouldn't have been killed, but I certainly wouldn't be here standing today. I would have been in hospital because 
person was going probably a good maybe 40 or 50 k's and there was a loud screech behind me. I didn't even see this car. And the cars that actually went through the intersection that were behind me nearly got cleaned up as well. So um, I just want to say to you that um, we all have an angel and uh, God is there, even though you might forget that he's not there, but his angels are there to protect you. Thank you. Last call. Out, <laughs> oh, Ruth. Was that call? Yeah. Happy Sabbath, everyone. I d just want to encourage each one of us, the spirit of gratitude, just to be thankful. I think that's one thing that I've really pushed this year, just thanking God almost every single day when you get home, just, just thanking little things that... Um, we've mentioned that um, we take for granted just continue with that spirit of gratitude I have the spirit of gratitude I you know I'm still working on it but I'm grateful for this uh, beautiful church family that I've been able to find and definitely enjoy it and our pastors we really appreciate you guys the hard work you do in keeping us in check um, I'm grateful also my mom was a little bit unwell this year but I'm uh, grateful to the good Lord that she's doing much uh, much better so want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year Anyone else want to share? No. Um, so for for us, I think how we've seen God work in 2017. I think the opportunity for us to move here was definitely in God's leading. Uh, it meant that we were able to to get more involved in church, which is something that we weren't able to do in a in a bigger church that we, we came from. It meant that um, Scarlett, my wife, was able to study on campus and she'd been studying for over a year beforehand on, online. So when the opportunity came for us to move to Melbourne, it, it felt like, well, everything's coming together and we definitely felt God's leading in, in bringing us here to Melbourne this year. Um, I was just going to say we are so grateful because... Um, 2017 has been a hard year for us as a family, as you all know. Just, um, you know, it's our first full year with two kids um, without any kind of family support because last year my dad was here for, for a lot of the time, but this year um, it was just us and the two kids, and I went back to work this year, and it was quite a balance. And um, while I was pushing Joshua in the hallway, I, I heard Mike, uh, Roy say something about me. I used to be perfect and not anymore. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the that, that died a long time ago when I was like 20. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I was going to say how incredibly blessed we are for this church because every single one of you helps make this church possible, helps keep us sane, and helps support us and love us and our family and our kids. And we're just so grateful. Um, 
like it's it's a lot of work to to run this church because it's a small church. It's a lot of work to do the outreach that we do because you know um, not only are we small in number, but we're a young church, as in we've only been around for a few years, um, and so we don't have the long history of being in this in this location in this city. And so we're trying to. We're trying to, we're this little train that's going up a hill saying, we think we can, we think we can, you know, we, we want to impact the, the city in a big way. And I believe we can, not because of our own efforts, but because God can. Um, if God can come as a little baby and change the world, surely even though we're a small church, we can bring light to the city. We can bring hope and joy and love to the city. Um, and so thank you all for sharing. Thank you all for being a part of our lives. Thank you for being a part of this church community. And that includes anyone who's watching online um, as well. And uh, we're just going to have our closing song, Silent Night. And then we're going to have prayer and then join us to make care packs for the women in the shelters.